You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Lord, over all the earth, who formed us before we were even conceived, Holy God, let us get right with you. And the only way is to acknowledge our sin before you, God, and to ask for you to forgive us and cleanse us, wash us, teach us, mold us. I ask for the grace, undeserved favor, but grace to be bestowed upon us as we receive your forgiveness and cleansing. And Holy Spirit, I just ask God, I'm, I'm unfit, I'm unqualified to bring your word. But I know I'm your son and you've called me for a purpose. And so I know you will qualify the ones you call. Father, if there is any earthly words within my mouth in this message, I pray that you would cancel it and silence it in Jesus' name. You can have our hearts this morning. Forgive us all for making this church just a four-wall structure. Forgive us for making church about Sunday morning. Forgive us for making worship out to be a concert. you can have the keys to this church, this building, but the definition of the church is people, your people. Will you give him the keys of your life? Will you give him the keys of your life? Let him take over. We pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I want to share with you, since we are a family, a spiritual family, not all the time do we take the opportunity to just communicate with you in a raw fashion, but um, many of you, most of you know our uh, Dear worship family, uh, Joel and Raquel, Joe plays bass and Raquel plays uh, cello. And many of you know that they were pregnant with their uh, third child, but first son. And his name was Joaquin, Joaquin. And the Hebrew definition of that word is lifted by Yahweh. And uh, yesterday, right around five o'clock, they gave birth to their boy walking, and an hour later, uh, he was lifted by Yahweh. He was lifted by Yahweh. But mom and dad are left with arms empty. And so, excuse me. So I just want to take a moment to lift them up in prayer. They want to thank you. He said he wants to thank the whole church. He says, Raquel and I have felt the peace that only comes from God. And we know that what's most of our prayers 
had been for God, Yahweh, to have his way. And so would you just take a moment to pray for Joel and Raquel, right where you are? Amen. Um, this is unprompted. I, I, I don't even know. Maybe someone has already started this. But if you, um, if you would like to provide a meal for Joel and Raquel as they come home, uh, would you just, Becky is usually in the Welcome Center in the lobby. Would you just fill out a Connect card and just write on there that you would be happy to um, provide a meal? If you're led to uh, write a card, or you want to send your prayers in written form, you can drop those off in the next couple weeks at the Welcome Center. Um, we are the body. And yes, in churches that are a bit larger, um, like this one, it, it is difficult sometimes to have that relationship and know everybody. But in times like this, this is where we need to be the church. And we need to hold their arms up when they have no strength. And if that's you, where you are right now, and you just can't lift your arms up, will you let us hold your arms up? Come talk to me. Come talk to Elliot, anyone on the worship team. We want to hold your arms up and walk with you in this time and be the church. I just want to sit here and not even do anything more. <laughs> we put the announcements before the message because it just seems to be the best place to put them. And so if you would just uh, entertain me for a minute, I'm just going to go through it. But the reason we do what we do and why we announce things and try to get you connected is because following Jesus is so much more about Sunday morning service. It's about real people being real and finding hope in Jesus, but then connecting to real believers, real relationships to encourage and edify and build up and walk with each other. And then to grow like Jesus more and more and help others to do the same. That's when we see real life change happen. Not just a spark, but a spark that ignites a flame that continues to burn and then a brush fire happens from that one flame. And so this is why we announce things like Sunday morning Bible. Sunday morning Bible study just started. You're not gonna miss anything by coming next week. If you need childcare, we do need to know that so we could provide that for you ahead of time. But please come in the e-kids place, come and grow together in fellowship and uh, the word. Um, the next thing is Wednesday nights are prayer nights. We just meet here for individual, but also group and corporate prayer. Come and seek God's presence together. If you can't come, carve out time where you can be dark in his presence. And I mean dark by just, it's a military term, going dark. Is, is, is you're off the radar. You're pushing everything else away to focus solely on the mission of being with Jesus. We also have uh, something we've just started Wednesday, a teen student ministry night. Uh, mom and dad, if you can um, write this down, uh, it's really important. We're at the home of the Humphreys. We can give uh, Zach and Anna, we can give you address for that. Um, if you want more information, if you are not on our like text chain or you have not even heard about the student ministry meeting, that means you pro we probably don't have your correct contact. And so just go to the Welcome Center, say hi to Becky, fill out a connect card and let us know you want more information for the youth, okay? And lastly, our uh, real life communities, our real life communities, we're just, we're starting six or seven groups that you can sign up in the lobby starting uh, 
Sunday, next Sunday, and we're gonna meet for 12 weeks. And this is just a way to get to know new people, to grow together and go deeper in the word of God. Lastly, there is, I know I said last, last time, but you know, if you had all these notes up here, you'd go confused too. Uh, the Goshen Outreach. Uh, Greg Dolby, please stand again one more time, Greg. Thank you. Let's give it up for Greg Dolby. He's the point contact for this next Saturday will be an outreach to go into Goshen uh, cleanup that still need tools and, and big trucks, skid steers, all that stuff. So please see Greg in the lobby for that. Okay, let's transition. This, this message is thick. This, this, this message uh, has been planned for two weeks now and the Lord just kept putting it to the side to deal with other things. But to start on a, just a, a fun note, shall we say, because it is good. It is good to smile. It's, it's, it, it, it is good to be together and laugh a little bit. Um, how many of you would agree, some of you may not, but usually the, most pe or the, the, the people you spend the most time with are the people that you usually start to talk like behave like and look like. Don't believe me? Any parents of toddlers right now? How many of you now say potty? <laughs> I've never said potty before. My son's in school now, and so he's getting to know the new culture, and his friends like to say, hey, bro. And my son then says, Instead of, hey, daddy, it's, hey, bro. I have to say, uh-uh, this daddy ain't bro, <laughs> right? We start to do things that we're like, where did that come from? I went to school in Wisconsin, and I lived near, uh, near Wisconsin all my life. Loved, that's why I love cheese. I love cheese. But in Wisconsin, I had to learn coming to Ohio that I can't say calendar or talent. It's calendar and it's talent. Go Green Bay Packers, right? More of a Badger fan, but anyways. Um, so if you don't believe me, I have another confirmation of the things, not even people, but the things that we spend the most time with, we start to behave like. Don't believe me, in America, in America, most Americans, the average American has a pet. And sadly, they spend more time with their pets than they do people. And that's why you get this. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Next, I love this one. Isn't that great? <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. And then, of course, go ahead to the next one. Look at this. You know who that is, right? And then the last one, good. Oh, look at that. Woo, Peyton Manning. Yep. Yep. No cats. Um, they don't go to heaven. So... I'm not joking. <laughs> oh, where are we going with this? <laughs> yeah. Okay. If we took this approach seriously, we would understand, friends, that who we spend the most time with or what we invest the most of who we are in, you will begin to talk like, think like, behave like, and look like. And if you call yourself a Christian, which by the way, Christian is only mentioned, I believe, two times in the New Testament, two. 
but a follower of the way, an imitator of Jesus is mentioned all over the Bible. And so we see in the big C church, the general church body, especially in America, and I'm just talking to those in our culture, we identify ourselves with the name, but we never end up looking like the one we identify ourselves with. That's a problem. That is a problem that we're going to address today. Today, we're going to look at the three essentials to living like Jesus. We're still in this series called Like Jesus. Our purpose is to live like Jesus to the point that the fruit in our life is a confirmation of who we look like. Who we look like should be a confirmation or a demonstration of who is most priority in our lives. And so if you would open your Bibles, if you have them, or your Bible app on your phone to the book of Mark, the book of Mark, Matthew is the first of the gospels, and then Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Go ahead and turn there. We're going to reside in Mark most of the time, and I'm going to read passages in chronological order so we can follow together. The purpose of this series is that as followers of Jesus, we would begin to live our lives in a way that imitates Christ, that then leads us to becoming more and more like Jesus. And again, what you value most is what you spend time doing. What you prioritize most in your life is what you give your time and your finances. Is that locked into Jesus Christ? So let's look at Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. Follow with me, okay? One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw... Simon, among his brother Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Now, just know this, that fishermen, you're going to see in a little bit when we talk about the education process in the Jewish culture, but fishermen did not have a long list of education. They made basically the minimal contribution to education, and then they went and apprenticed under their father of Zebedee to become fishermen. So in the Jewish culture and view of things where rabbis were way up here. They were way down at the bottom of the spectrum. And this is who Jesus is going after. And he calls to them and he says, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once and they followed him at once, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. This is a shameless plug. If you have not seen Chosen, the TV series, you need to watch it. It's amazing. Yes, it's a creative interpretation of the gospels, but it is so powerful in the scene here that it depicts of Jesus calling the men out of their boats and calling them to follow, honestly, is so eye-opening. So now let's go to Mark chapter two. Go over a page or so, starting with verse 13. Verse 13 Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Fishermen here, tax collectors aren't even on the scale. They're they're the filth. They belong to Roman scum. And here's Jesus calling him to follow him. He says, follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him, so Levi got up and followed him. Go over one more chapter. Mark chapter three, verse 13 through 19. 
Mark chapter 3. Afterwards, Jesus went up to a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. Then he appointed the 12 and called them apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach. Another translation says they would be with him, and he would send them out, giving them authority to cast out demons. These are the 12 he chose, Simon, James, and John, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Thaddeus, Simon, and Judas Iscariot. Now go five more chapters to chapter 8, Mark 8, verses 34 through 37. Then, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my, what's that word? Follower. In some translations, you may have disciple. If you have disciple in your translation, raise your hand. Okay, so there's several, okay? If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, the gospel, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but then lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? So with Mark 1, 2, 3, and 8, did you see any patterns on the accounts of Jesus calling people to follow him? One thing I don't think that you see is for Jesus just saying, hey, just believe in me, say a sinner's prayer, grab your bumper sticker, and you'll go to heaven. No way. Nowhere. Don't worry even about works here. He says, drop everything you consider life right now and come follow me for a better way. That's the call to be a disciple. The Greek word is called talmudim. Actually, I believe it's the Hebrew word as well. Talmudim means disciple. Talmudim, can you say talmudim? That's good enough, yeah. Talmudim, be my disciple. So in the gospels, 92, times or so people talk to or about Jesus in the New Testament. And about 60 of those 90 times, they address Jesus as not Messiah, not son of God, but of a rabbi and a great teacher. We need to understand that if Jesus is going around and saying, come and be my disciple, come and be my Talmudim, well, what does that mean? Stick with me and we'll find out. Jesus was known as a rabbi, a teacher. He also had, just like all other rabbis, had a yoke. When you read the Bible, even uh, uh, in Luke, where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my burden is light and my yoke is easy. You know that. And we use the form of a, a yoke that they used to put on oxen, right? And so a lot of times we just see the word yoke and we think that Jesus was walking around with this big yoke saying, come follow me, come on into the yoke and I'm gonna lead you. If you go into more research of what a rabbi was in Hebrew culture is they had a yoke, which was a set of teachings in order of how to live a righteous life before God. So a yoke wasn't this device. A yoke was his set of teachings of how to live your life. And if you look even further, you'll see that Jesus was a different rabbi than all other rabbis. And the one difference was his yoke, his set of teachings for living was light and easy. Every other rabbi put burdens on people based on works. 
every other religion puts a burden on your life of what you have to do to make it. And it's not what we have to do, it's what's been done for us. All we have to do is receive his yoke and live by it. It's not enough just to believe in the words of Jesus. It's about practicing it. So the English word for disciple that best gives a whole picture of the word disciple is the word apprentice. Apprentice, many of you in business and uh, the industry and the trade, you understand the word apprentice. That's how they viewed it in Bible times, in Jewish culture, was the word apprentice, Talmudim. And we, we use the word disciple in the Christian church. And most of us have no idea what disciple even means. We says, yeah, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we use it flippantly. What if we started to say, I'm an apprentice underneath Jesus Christ? Because our understanding of an apprentice is they shadow, they do, and then they go. If you know anything about the words of Jesus, that matches it. Talmudim is an apprentice. So here's the deal. We still struggle with understanding Jewish culture and even where Jesus is as far as a rabbi and what he's calling his followers to do. So stick with me, but this is some academic stuff and I'm not a big academic person, but I think this is so interesting and I have to give props to a pastor named John Mark Comer out of Portland. Uh, He is now a leader of a ministry called Practicing the Ways of Jesus. And we're gonna, we're gonna grow in that in the new year. You're gonna see a teaching series about that. But there was a book that I read in my time away here on medical leave that has truly shifted the trajectory of how I see life. And it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And he talks about what it means to be a Talmudim, an apprentice, and what that looks like in your life of practicing the ways of Jesus. So, Write that down. If not, I have the book on the Welcome Center with a QR code. All you have to do is scan that QR code or scan a picture of the picture, uh, scan a picture of the book, and then go to whatever online store and order it. I promise you will not regret this book. But I have to give props because much of this comes from the lengthy study of John Mark Comer. So let's look at the life of a Jewish man. We're gonna, we're gonna cover the females as well and just don't stone me, but in the culture, man was much higher than females and females did not have much rights. So just know that in the culture, this is, this is why this is happening. So in the first century discipleship, discipleship, apprenticeship was the apex of the education system. There are three levels of the education system in Jewish culture. The first one is Beit Sefer House of the Book. House of the Book. Now, this was grade school in Jewish education. Jewish boys and many of the girls would learn to read, do basic math, and focus on learning and memorizing the first five books of the Torah. Memorizing. That's Genesis through Deuteronomy. How are you on that? Kids under the age of 12, having it learned and memorized. And then after that, most students were done. How many teens would love to be done at age 12? (laughs) School, right? But this is what happened. Most of the men, only ages or excuse me, most of the men after age 12 and this school level would go on and apprentice their father for their business, the sons of Zebedee, the different disciples of Jesus. The females, you would get married and start to bear children by age 14. But the best of the best of these young men 
moved on to a second level of education. So you had Beit Sefer, house of the book, and then you had the second Beit Talmud, house of learning. This was a school off to the side of the synagogue, and this was only for the elite who passed on uh, the first level of education, ages 12 through 15. They would learn from a full-time paid teacher and memorize most of the Old Testament. Most every single one of these students were done after this level of education. But the very best of the best of the best of the best would go on to this next and third level called Talmudim. Have you heard that word before? Talmudim. It means apprentice of a rabbi. Now, this was extremely difficult to get into. If you were even able to sit in front of a rabbi for an interview, he would do everything he could to eat you for lunch. He could do everything to drill you with every question he could throw at you. And then after the gruesome interrogation, if he thought you had the intellect, if he thought you had that work ethic, and the drive and the talent to become a rabbi yourself someday, he would turn to the disciple. Notice during the interview, he would not even face the disciple. He would turn now to the one who is qualified. And he would say something like this, come and be my Talmudim. Come and be my disciple. Come and be my apprentice. And so this, then, if you were so fortunate and smart enough to make it to this level of Talmudim, and you would follow the rabbi, if you were fortunate and blessed enough to make the elite, you were called an apprentice. And you would be focused for at least three years. Notice that word, three years. See something in, in tandem with how Jesus led disciples for three years. And they were obsessed and focused on three essentials of the apprenticeship of the rabbi. Three essentials. The first one, and I want you to repeat after me, is be with your rabbi. Say it. Be with your rabbi. You see that in Mark 3.14, and he made the 12 that he should... The 12 should be with him for three years. This was a 24-7 apprenticeship. That's why many of the disciples, even among the 12, left their families, their career, to follow their rabbi. They would follow their rabbi everywhere. They would eat with the rabbi they would sleep alongside the rabbi. There were very, very, very few things, and I'm sure you can think of them, that a disciple or an apprentice didn't do with the rabbi. A blessing in the Hebrew culture, if you were fortunate to be a disciple of a rabbi, was made the blessing and the dust of your rabbi cover you. And that's exactly what they're meaning because they didn't have asphalt roads. They had desert roads. And everything, wherever the rabbi would walk, it would stir up the dust. And whoever was following the rabbi as closely as possible would have the dust marks upon them. So number one was to be with your rabbi. Number two, and repeat after me, is to become like your rabbi. Say that. Yeah, we see that in Mark. Um, see that in Mark 1, 16. To become, to become like your rabbi. Your number one goal as an apprentice was to become a carbon copy of your rabbi. If you were a carbon copy, you would start to talk like, look like, remember those pictures? Think like, and even gesture like. So this rabbi would work on having these carbon copies of him. 
Imagine that. So we're to copy every move and tone of our voice and mannerism and look and act just like the rabbi we're living and following, living with and following. So be with your rabbi, become like your rabbi. And the third one, repeat after me, is do what the rabbi did, you say. Mark 3, 14, they were accompanying him and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. And so the hope was for you as an apprentice, after a few years, possibly three, of being with your rabbi, becoming like your rabbi, and doing what your rabbi did, that rabbi would come and sit you down again, look straight at you, and he would commission you by saying, go and make more Talmudims. This was not just something Jesus made up. This was the apprenticeship of the Jewish culture of following God. And here God incarnate himself, the son of God, is now saying, come, apprentice me. Fast forward to 2022. That commission is still for you and me. Do our churches, and let's be transparent, does this church right here look like the apprentice system that Jesus had in mind? When he says, come, follow me, and be my Talmudim. We look at it of saying, yes, my sins are washed away. I have the grace card, as well as the get out of hell freak card. And I'm going to enjoy the life that he's given me, praise God. And sadly, we look more like the world then we look like the one we claim to be following. This needs to change. This needs to change in my life. This needs to change in the leadership of this church. This needs to change in the staff of the church. This needs to change in the ministry leaders of this church. This needs to change for anyone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus. And you know what? The Jewish culture would hold us accountable to that. We don't like to be accountable anymore. That doesn't mean we're not supposed to be. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Matthew. Chapter 28, it's not on the screen. Matthew chapter 28 is the Great Commission. This is where Jesus is ready to, uh, uh, he is, he's ready, uh, I, I believe, forgive me, I wanna make sure I'm doing this correctly. Yes, he is resurrected. So he's resurrected and this is right before the ascension. In verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee and the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Imagine that. And though some, by the way, were apprentices of Jesus. And when they saw him, they worshiped him and some doubted. And Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make Talmudims, apprentices, followers, disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I, Jesus, have showed you. And behold, I will be with you to the ends of the age. So what does this mean for us, friends? Well, it means that if you want to follow Jesus, you must become an apprentice of Jesus. It's not okay just to eat the Christian ice cream. 
It's okay to eat it if what you consume starts to influence who you become. So just like the apprentices in Jesus's time in the gospels, we as Christians, followers of the way, are to build our life around those three same principles. And so we're gonna go through them. Stay engaged. I know this is a little bit longer, a little bit more information, but I pray that now that we start to see the information come to full picture, that transformation would happen in our hearts. Number one, and repeat after me, to be an apprentice of Jesus, you must be with Jesus. Say it, be with Jesus. This is not a Sunday to Sunday, just Sunday alone kind of Christianity. This is the person you spend the most time with is Jesus. The person you value above all is Jesus. Do you grow and grow? Yeah, absolutely. There's a place to start. And let me share that with you. Jesus has ascended. He's not physically here right now. Jesus is on the throne, everybody. He's interceding for his Talmudims. And he's waiting for that call from the father to say, go get my bride, go get your bride, go get my children. Jesus is on the throne and he says, you, he says to the disciples, go and wait, don't leave Jerusalem, go and wait for the Holy Spirit. Because if the Holy Spirit doesn't come, you won't know the way. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. The Holy Spirit is our rabbi. Lives within the temple of God through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So, if Jesus has ascended to sit at the right hand of the throne and sent his only spirit to become our rabbi, our teacher, our comforter, our counselor, then our first and primary goal, this isn't on the screen, Actually, you know what? I think it is. I added it last minute. First and primary goal to apprentice Jesus is to live in constant state. Maybe not. Live in constant state of awareness and connection to the Holy Spirit. I think it's the last slide, Brent. Let's say it one more time. To live in a constant state of awareness of and connection to him through the Holy Spirit. This is the standard for everything within the kingdom of God. Everything. This is what it looks like to follow and apprentice Jesus. Are you maybe not sure you're following Jesus? Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as not just your rabbi, but your savior and Lord and you want to live the rest of your life to follow him. Start right there. Brent, can you put that back up? Start right here. Maybe you've backslid. Maybe you're not where you know you need to be. Start right here. To be apprentice of Jesus is to live in a moment by moment awareness of the connection to him through the Holy Spirit. Right now, I have a brother in my life, friend, an accountability partner, a person who sticks closer than a brother. And we, every day, we text each other. We text each other scripture. We text each other prayers. We pray for each other's kids. We hold each other accountable when we're messing up. You can't do this alone and you can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. We always try to do it in our own flesh and wonder why we always biff and hit our face on the ground. But this is where you need to start. In small groups, real life communities, I see a bunch of leaders who meet right now with groups. I encourage you to revisit this this coming week or next. And when the real life communities start up, leaders, 
Have this accountability question at the end of each or the beginning of each time you meet. Are we living in a constant state of awareness of and connection to him through the Holy Spirit? And most likely your answer is gonna be no. So then what's the next step? Number one, brush the dust off of yourself. Get up and start pursuing to apprentice Jesus by being with Jesus. John 15, turn, if you don't mind, in the Bible to John 15. We see this in Jesus' words. Now that you understand what a disciple, a Talmudim, a follower of Jesus, apprentice of Jesus is, this should start to make sense. Let the words jump off the page and into your spirit and transform you. I am the true grapevine, Jesus says. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. That doesn't make sense. Maybe you're being pruned right now. That means that you are producing some fruit. And he wants more fruit. He wants you to look more like his son, Jesus. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you, the good news, the gospel of the Messiah, Jesus. Remain in me. Say those three words with me. Remain in me. One more time. Remain in me. That is the definition of being with Jesus. Remain, abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, shout it. Nothing. Nothing. This is the apprenticeship. You can't expect like a grapevine to be grapes that don't abide in the vine and yet then be picked for the best of wine. People are gonna spit it out of their mouth because you're not connected and abiding in the vine. Neither can you even go on to the next step of becoming more like Jesus if you're not spending time with Jesus. Dallas Willard is a Christian philosopher, professor, author. He passed away in 2013, but he says this in a quote, Please don't disengage because I'm almost done. He says, the first and most basic thing, Dallas Willard, the first and most basic thing that we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. This is what Romans 12 means. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. And so would the band come up? And I understand we didn't get to the other two. But when we start to practice being with Jesus. You can't help but fall more in love with Jesus. And you can't help but to look more and more like Jesus. And then we'll cover what Jesus did so that we can begin to be apprentices of Jesus. Would you bow your heads? Focus only on this moment in front of you. The more you abide with Jesus, moment by moment, continue to practice doing life like Jesus, the more you will become like Jesus. Stop trying behavior modification. It does not last. 
but seek inward transformation by knowing the truth of Jesus that will set you free. If you don't know Jesus and you have not begun the journey of following Jesus, I wanna invite you in this moment because we're not even certain of our next moment. I wanna invite you in this moment to just in your own words and in your sincere, genuine heart, confess to God that you're a sinner and you need his saving grace and forgiveness to put you in right standing with God the Father. When we believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins to cleanse us, to save us, and to make us right with the Father, we then receive the Holy Spirit within us to bring us life and the new nature of Jesus Christ, the breath of Jesus in our lungs. But that is only the beginning, friends. We have to cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, through prayer, through silence and solitude, through relationship with other believers, we must cultivate this relationship with Jesus. What is it that is missing from your life? In following, apprenticing under being with, becoming more like, and doing what Jesus did. What is keeping you from that? Whatever that is, I encourage you in our response worship to let the light in of Jesus. Expose the darkness in your heart. Give it to Jesus and start to be with Jesus. Today, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I promise we will become a church that just doesn't say we're followers, but they will know us by our love and by how we act, think, talk, and behave. Let's take this time to worship Jesus. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.